0: For Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator of the contemporary scene. Here's Gene. <laughs> Today I'm going to do something which I have avoided doing because I do not like to lead the young astray. I mean, too obviously I don't like to do this. But you're listening to a reform. well, I don't want to use the word criminal. You're listening to a reformed baddie and uh <laughs> and this is a uh, revelation they don't look so shocked at me everybody we all have crimes in our background and uh there are just damn few of us who will lay it out and say yes i did it i did it i siphoned gas at one time for a living i siphoned so damn much gas that i still smell like philip 66 in the quiet darkness of my soul yes i did it well all right you know, you see these important guys walking around, you know, you see, I mean, really official-looking guys that have made it. Have you ever wondered whether they ever did any of the real stuff in their life? And there's an old rule of thumb, Jim, which I think you know about since you've lived a little life, too. The more indignant a guy gets over somebody else's evil, the more you're inclined to suspect him. Is this a true... Uh, human equation or not, or am I inventing it? In my life, <laughs> I don't think I am inventing it. Let's put it this way. I do not invent the news. I only report it. <laughs> that's a nice place to be. you know. i That's why it's always kind of fun to sit back at third base at a ball game. I mean, you don't invent the errors. You only boo them. Right? (laughs) Yes, indeed. You don't make the decisions on a close play at first. You only yell at the guy that does. You agree? And when you're standing out there with that wind blowing in your face and dust rising and Frank Robinson charging down to first looking mean and (laughs) that first baseman with that big mitt and that ball's coming over there, I'll tell you, man, it ain't so easy to call them out or safe when they arrive at the base at the same time and you got to call them one way or the other, right, Jim? Yes, indeed. We are always hoist on the horns of a dilemma, a human dilemma. Am I going to pretend that I'm something I'm not, or am I going to let it all hang out? Therefore, get, get driven totally from the community of men. I mean, there's evil around us at all times. Oh, before we uh, to confess tonight to our crimes, heat. 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 Heat has caused more than one person to do things which he would wouldn't ordinarily do under normal conditions. Man in, uh, in hot climates is volatile. Are you aware of that? In fact, the closer you move to the equator, the the, the more rapid the revolutions occur, <laughs> the quicker the gunfire. It's a fact. Until finally you get all the way. You never hear about a revolution among the Eskimos. Why not? I mean, they must have tyrants. <laughs> I mean, they must have, you know, some uh, local king that's running the kayak industry with an iron hand. At the, you know, but no, no because they're they're far north. See, the further north you go, the more man tends to just squat and stare off into the middle distance because he is aware of his his, uh, infinite and uh, almost frightening uh, uh, temporariness in the scheme of things. When you live in very cold weather, friend, you are very aware of the, of the uh, climate. <laughs> and you're also aware it's mean and dangerous, and you've got more things to worry about than a local tyrant. So, uh, as you go further down the earth, you know, you start up at the North Pole, you start working down, the fist fights grow louder and, and more, more prevalent until you finally get down through places like Georgia and Mississippi where they fist fight night and day. And then finally you get all the way down to, <laughs> you get down to places that, you know, in in, the, in uh, various Latin American countries where, my God, if there if there isn't a revolution going on, it's like somebody turned off the air conditioning. You know, what is it? Well, how, how, what happened? No revolution today? What, what did they do? Run out of ammunition? What happened? You know, oh, caramba. Well, uh, uh, so this is a... This is part of life. Yes, you, you have to accept it. Yes, nothing worse than trying to run a revolution. You're out of, you know, out of 22 cartridges and stuff. But uh, nevertheless, uh, tonight, uh, we will we will talk about what hot weather did to one person's conscience and caused them forever to, to uh, feel a little terrible. Yes, what I did on that night, that historic night, in fact, it was what me and Flick and Schwartz and Bruner did on that historic night, has bothered my... Conscience, since that time, I cannot go through the produce department of any supermarket without feeling a little twinge. And I did not go into a store and steal apples. That's kid stuff, friends. What I did was a heinous crime. And if you're interested, it's a great word. Heinous. Heinous. Some people say, "Well, wasn't he an old uh, shortstop? Heinous Wagner was a shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and, and is in the Hall of Fame." No, heinous, H E I N, heinous, evil, rotten, skullduggery, beyond human comprehension, badness, evilness. Now, what 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 is this crime? There's many kinds of crimes, and I'm going to I'm going to leave this up to you to decide what kind of crime this was. Schwartz and Fleck and Bruner and I perpetrated. Now, um, it was reminded to me, first of all, by the heat. It was warm, hot. And and I love hot weather, by the way. I'm one of those guys that really dig hot weather. I'm basically a hot weather creature. I do not buy winter. If you ever came to me and said to me, Shepard, how about going skiing? I have a ready suggestion as to what you can do with your skis anybody want to try it with me i'll, I'll do it. i will say you, you want to call up and ask me to go skiing i'll tell you right here what to do with your skis <laughs> all right nobody's calling okay you're afraid huh? all right you know what i'll tell you and that's the way i feel about it. anybody comes to me and says shepherd what do you say we go out and run up and down the hills to are covered with snow today oh come on i i can even tell you what to do with the hill Very colorful expression I have. I learned it in the Army. It's very colorful. And uh, I learned a lot of things in the Army. But nevertheless, uh, on this particular hot weather day, see, it was really hot. Now, you have noticed, uh, uh, did, you, did you read a piece recently in one of the papers? Uh, I believe it was, uh, it was in Jersey, I believe, where, where uh, these kids had built a cave. They called it in, in Jersey newspaper parlance. They made a cavern. Did you read about that? Yeah, and these kids, and they caught these kids. They were living down in this cavern. They were kids that, after school, they had built a cave, really, out in the woods. And uh, they, were, they were out doing bad stuff, actually. Now, there's two things that come to mind right there. Did you read that story? Well, there was such a story, and it was a, quite, a, quite a story and the police finally staked it out. They didn't know where these kids were coming from, and they finally saw a kid come out of a hole. <laughs> they discovered that they had this cave these kids had built that had a sofa in it, and it was 12 square feet, and it was 6 feet deep, and it was totally covered with sod. Well, now, for those of you who have, and now, for those of you who have never done this, you will probably think kids don't do this anymore. You say, oh, come on, that's out of the past. Get it out of your head. There's, there's, there's many clandestine activities, that are done constantly, that are, by the nature of their clandestine quality, are never talked about. In other words, a true clandestine activity is never discussed. <laughs> Else, what, you know, what the hell is... That's why the, the concept of underground newspapers that are selling on Times Square newsstands is a contradiction in terms. Totally a contradiction in terms. It's an, a meaningless phrase, a true underground newspaper friend you don't know about. Right? Okay. Now, there are certain clandestine activities, and I bet there are kids listening to me right now who are involved in it, so don't think there's nothing to do with the past. It has to do with a contemporary current urge on the part of a certain kind of person. Now, everybody has a secret desire it is down inside of him. To have a secret place, you will concede that. Now, this desire takes many forms. Some people only have a secret place in their head. Most people do. Other people have, uh, you know, little secret things they do. Which, again, is a mental thing. It's in the head. But then there are those few who translate it into reality and, in fact, have a secret place. Now, this is very common among young males. Probably common among females too, but I never heard of a female getting together with several other females and digging a cave. I never heard of that. Now, it may have occurred. Now, I'm sure I'm going to get thousands. Yes, we. Yeah, no, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> that uh, that I. It's 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 a constant. And these kids they caught in Jersey were males. They were boys, right? So. Uh, And I I think it goes all the way back to the... I think man, man, men, men, M-E-N, men, masculine, male. I think they are closer to primitive creature kind, humankind, than the females are. Now, that doesn't mean that females are more civilized. Oh no. (laughs) I mean that the primitive desires are closer to the surface and are stronger in male kind i'm not saying that uh, this is no value judgment i'm not you know it's like uh, that's like making a value judgment so water's wet that is not a value judgment it's, you know there it is you may disagree with it you may say no oxygen is not wet hydrogen is not wet and uh, water is composed of ho- oxygen uh, uh, h2o right uh, hydrogen and, uh, and you said well uh, you know in combination it gets wet Well, what is wet? And you could go on and on and have these infinite philosophical discussions. But uh, we're not here for philosophy. We're here to discuss digging caves, which has a philosophical background, incidentally. And so I think that the male has, has a thing inside of him that still remains deeply inside of him, that still remains part of the ancient cave world. Now, we did come from caves, you know, It's a, and I'm not inventing this, it's a historical fact that at one time humankind lived in caves, holes in the ground, and to be in the ground was to be secret and safe and away from everything. We don't think much about that anymore, you know. But in many primitive societies to this day, they still live in holes in the ground. Did you know that? To get away from things? A hole in the ground. Not a... Fortress, or not a, a cave that's high up in a wall of someplace, but a hole in the ground burrowing into the earth is a curiously satisfying thing. Not for everybody. But see, we don't know much about what's under the earth. Did you know that? We know more about space. We know more about the ocean than we do about, let say, 5,000 miles into the earth. There's theories. But, you know, to burrow in, to see it, that's fantastic. And so, so one day, one hot day, we were making caves sporadically. We would make a cave. Yeah, yeah, the, the cave syndrome would break out. But we got to the age when we could not only make a cave in our mind and start digging a cave, but we could actually pull it off. In other words, we got enough manual dexterity, we're strong enough to steal two-by-fours so (laughs) we could make a cave. Now, how is a cave made, for those of you who are curious about making a cave? There are several variations on the basic kid cave that I, myself, was involved in, and I have seen break out in various places. There's there's one type of cave that's very primitive. You just dig a hole in the ground, cover it up with uh, pieces of uh, tin, you know, like old signs and junk, and, uh, and leave one corner open. You crawl out of it. That's one kind of cave. That's the very primitive. That's the first kind you start. Well, then as you get more sophisticated and subtle with your caves, the cave became, becomes complex. That shows growing complexity in the head and the mind and all that stuff. See, well, one summer, and uh, this was the summer just before we went into high school, which is a dangerous age, you're no longer a kid. In fact, there are many guys that are in 8th grade that are 6 feet tall and weigh 200 pounds. You'll concede that, will you not? Now, they still have the mind, though, of a box of pablum. So you you you, uh, you put together a, uh, a 200-pound body with the mind of a chimpanzee, and you have got a lethal combination. <laughs> now, in addition to that... <laughs> <laughs> and, and in addition to that, uh, the, 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 the guy who is in that age group, he has roughly the, the uh, conscience and the morality of a rhinoceros, which is to say none, uh, <laughs> that it is all give and take. A guy will, will, will not do a thing because he's going to get kicked in the bottom. That's it. But he will not say, I will not do a thing because it is wrong, he, that, which of his means implies morality he says I will not do it because they will catch me and all hell will break loose okay so that's the difference you know that's a complex issue there so anyway it was hot it was warm we got out of school this was about our last year in, in grade school now we ranged in weight and, and height from about six feet on one end Schwartz flick and Brunner to about five feet two on the other there's always a couple of kids that look a little bit like bowling balls at that age and uh, so you know too many baby Ruth candy bars and they're walking around hiding under tables a lot at home and he didn't grow and uh, so nevertheless here we are see we're and yet yet we're, we're, we're itchy there's a fantastic itchiness that settles in with the adolescent male that is an incredible itchiness it's 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 a it's an inner sweatiness that is hard to define and a, a feeling of rising and constant excitement Feeding that that uh, oh you know (laughs) now do girls have that they do well all right I won't argue with you (laughs) it takes different it does say it takes different uh, uh, outward manifestations then right so nevertheless on this hot summer we just got out of school see this is this added to it we were out of school and we're drifting around. And we drift in and out of, of, uh, of uh, you know, backyards and through vacant lots, and there were thousands and thousands of of, uh, of, of fireflies, always. Fireflies, an exciting and erotic inst- in- insect, you know? You know what the firefly's doing, you know, when he turns his light on, don't you? You don't? You think he's just trying to find his way through the fog? That is a signal, friend, That sign, that little light that goes off and on, he is flashing his little light for other fireflies who may be interested in little action. Now, (laughs) this is not lost on the walking around Cub Scout, which we were at that time. We were in the wolf pack. So we're drifting in and out of the clouds of of, uh, fireflies and mosquitoes. And almost by spontaneous combustion, it began to build up. The crime began. Okay. It was on a quiet midweek day after playing ball all afternoon and grubbing in and out of the weeds and chasing lost golf balls and all the stuff that you know your kids do, you're just walking around. When without even any discussion, we began to dig a cave. It was by almost like mutual instinct. Now, this cave was in a sort of wooded lot. It was really a large, wooded, vacant lot. And it was a good big... It was not really a vacant lot. It was a whole big wooded area that uh, I suppose technically was a vacant lot. There were no houses on it, but it was wooded. And, uh, you know, there were weeds in there. Not many people went in there. And we started to build a cave, and we started to dig. And the next morning, we were out again digging. Now, I went home and I, down in the basement we had a, a spade, you know, one of these uh, sharp-pointed shovels. That's a spade. See, a shovel is flat. Did you know that everything is a spade? Okay. Uh, so we, 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 that's what we needed. We couldn't work with a real shovel. We needed a spade. So, so we had a spade, a couple of spades, and uh, Schwartz got a hold of a pick somewhere, and, and we were digging, really seriously digging out there, you know. And, and as the hole got bigger, it got more exciting. I mean, it's really a big hole now. And, and we cut down through about five layers, you know. You begin to see layers of soil. You be, first, you cut down through a layer of, of yellow, wet sand. Then, you cut down through a layer of black dirt. And then, a layer of grayish dirt. And a layer of pebbles and stuff. And we came across a fantastic nest of grubs. Yeah, which is, you know, you hit it, and there's a, you know what a grub is? These big, thick, white worms. And they were digging deeper. And then we began to smooth out the bottom, which it's incidentally now about six feet deep, roughly six, maybe six feet half, maybe six and a half feet. That's a pretty deep hole. And we began to dig now towards the north. We, we had the hole now, which is about six feet square. And we begin to enlarge it going straight out. And we began to dig more or less towards the north. And now we've got a large rectangular hole after about three days. It's six feet deep, and it's now about, oh, I'd say 12, 13 feet, maybe 15 feet long. And then we began to widen it. And so after about a week, we had a hole that was roughly maybe 15 by 10 or 12, a good big hole. Now, that's a lot of dirt we've moved. Now, we knew that if you left the dirt all piled up around there, there'd be problems. See, people would see it. So what we did was take the dirt in bushel baskets, and, and we, we went down a hill and threw a lot of weeds, and we, there was a creek down there. And we would just dump this dirt into this creek. we just wash it down, and that's all that happened, see. So, so, you know, it was just plain dirt. It wasn't pollution. It was just dirt. So we kept doing this, and by, by the end of the week, we had this great-looking hole. Now, what do you do after that, see? Now, how do you fi- now? This is this is the sophisticated cave maker. Now, at that point, you need what would be beams. You need beams, all right? So, they they were building houses about uh, <laughs> half a mile away. See? And every night, they would leave all this tarpaulin and all kinds of of uh, canvas piled up over the various materials they're using. So, one by one, we were stealing these long two by fours. There were these big 12-foot 2x4s, you know, you've seen them, that they used to build a house, and we're stealing one by one, one by one. Now, we only needed about six of these, maybe five, and we finally, at the end of a couple of days of stealing, and this is not a story about stolen wood, so you're, you're, you're missing the point. We finally got our 2 by 4s across this thing, and then we went out went junking. we went up and down the alleys looking for pieces of tin and and uh, and old signs and stuff which when we bring them back we bring these things back and we would lay them on top of the two by fours now after you cover these things up with metal signs and we used all metal so you lay these things all over the top of this thing you put sod on top of it the original sod that you had dug out when you dug the hole so now it's covered up nicely see now what do you do Do you, do you do you just leave a hole that you drop in no way friend you cover this thing all up and then about eight feet away you dig an entrance that goes in a tunnel that slowly burrows in and then goes into the cave and that really gets fantastic now you've really got something going well by the time you get this tunnel in you, you begin to bring other stuff we had we had uh, guys brought in the boxes and stuff and you know, to sit on we had a candle we had a kerosene lamp that flick brought in from the basement and uh, we had a little table we made you know out of a barrel and stuff we had all this stuff in there say so, and it begins to really get we had all our books we brought in guys start bringing their comic books in i have my entire collection of red rider and uh, all that stuff you see and, and we we we'd, we'd, we'd squat down in the cave with the candle going and uh, begins, then Schwartz began to dig his own room. He dug his own room out of the side where he would squat. And so it's dark and flickering. It's a fantastically erotic scene in there. It's really, you know it's it's exciting because it's you you're like 20 million miles. You might as well be in space. Millions of miles from the earth. Well, now the next move, of course, is to say, go home and say, I want to stay uh, out. Uh, I want to stay at Flick's house all night, right? Flick said I can come over and stay. Can I stay over there? Well, we started that routine, see, where we would stay in a cave all night. We never went to Flick's house. Flick would say to his mother, you know, I want to stay at Shepherd's house, see. <laughs> and so the next thing you know, we're all in this cave all night. See, well, of course, if we ask, can I go out and stay in a cave all night, forget it. If it's Flick, you know, you can stay there. So Schwartz and Flick and Bruner and I one night are squatting in a cave. and We decided what we needed to do was to make something to eat. We're going to start cooking in there. Okay. Well, now, we were in the Cub Scouts, and we used to go out on these camperies. And when you went out on the camparee, you would make a thing always called hunter's stew. Right. Now how is Hunter's stew? you just put a whole bunch of vegetables in a pot, is what you do, and boil it. And if you got some hamburger, if you got a chunk of meat or something, you throw it in, that's called Hunter's stew. Well we have no vegetables, you know, you can't say to your mother, hey, I'm gonna go store at Flick's house. Can I have a bag of carrots I'll take it over there? So <laughs> what we did was unbelievable. Guys all around there had these big gardens. They were like little farms, truck farms and stuff. And one night We crept out in the dark. I I hate to even tell you this. Mr. Fowple's field. Mr. Fowple lived down there, and he, he was a truck farmer. And one night, Flick and Schwartz and myself crept in the darkness of his field where he was growing potatoes. Potatoes! And potatoes, you know, are an underground plant. You don't go and pick potatoes, in case you don't know how potatoes grow. Potatoes are a root, and they grow on the bottom of the plant. Well, we crept to the field on our bellies, each one of us crawling along a furrow, and we would take, each one of us having a row, we would come to a potato plant. They were nice. They were growing beautiful and green. And we would carefully pull up the potato plant and take the potato off of it and put it into a gunny sack and replant the plant do you hear what i'm saying replant the plant well now being true criminals after a while we began to get sucked into this we didn't just take let's get three potatoes for our stool no it's like eating popcorn you can't eat one piece of popcorn you can't steal one potato it is impossible to steal one avocado We crept from one end of Mr. Foppel's field to the other, of his little potato field, and carefully pulled up every plant in his field, and then removed each potato, and put it in the gunny sack, and we would scurry back, this was all at two o'clock in the morning, we'd scurry back to our cave with our candle, and we had a sack full of, big sack now, a gunny sack full of brand new, unborn, tiny potatoes. Well, you know that that was just the beginning. We then moved one field over, one field over, and we removed every beet that Mr. Falpo was growing. This is also a root plant. And that summer, we squatted in our cave every night at eight hundred stew made out of half raw boiled potatoes and beets. <laughs> Since that time, it is. Well, we did other things. There's some some things we, uh, even now at this point, to protect the, the guilty, I cannot discuss. It is not a matter of protecting the innocent. There ain't any of us that are innocent. It is to protect the guilty that I want to tell you some of the other things that went on. But this cave began to be the center, the focal point of the primitive, evil, lurking, scrunching life that we were living, that hot, steamy summer... And every night, we'd make our hunter's stew out of Mr. Fowple's unborn, illicit potatoes. And it wasn't only until, you know, I began to slowly grow a conscience, a vestigial one at first, Uh, you know, until finally today. Now it's going back into a vestigial form. I don't know what's happening. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I began to say, What about, can you imagine Mr. Fowple... That glorious day when he sets out to reap his potatoes and he pulls up plant after plant and there's no potatoes on his potato plants. They were growing and they grew beautifully. They, could, they no potatoes and then no beans on his bean plants. What would you think? To this day, Mr. Fowl has no idea what the hell happened that summer to his potato crop. There were no bugs. He did everything right. What happened to his bean crop? He did everything right. God, what evil there is that lurks in the hearts of men. What evil there is. You've been listening to Gene Shepherd, author, raconteur, and commentator on a contemporary scene.